0: I had already graduated from the University of Washington. and I can remember at that time I was a professional studio artist. And every day I would go into the studio and, and I would sit down and, and I would sit down with hundreds of vessels and I would begin to make them each day. And then the Lord began to work in my heart how He was the potter, and how I was the clay. And with the same hands that that he had so trained me with, his hands were trained to touch my piece of clay. His hands knew how to go into the depths of my heart. Where my heart was broken, where I was hurting, he knew how to go into the very depths of who I was and start to take out the rocks and the thistles and the thorns. That his eyes, his eyes could see how beautiful I was even though... I was just a cracked pot. Even though I was an old broken piece of clay, he had vision for my life. And so it began the journey of him starting to heal my heart. And what I'm going to talk to you about is how the potter, he has vision for us. He has destiny for us. Before we were even in our mother's womb, he said, I know you. Your substance is not hidden from me. For you are beautifully and wonderfully made. I saw your unformed substance. And I know you all the days of your life. And when you were in your mother's womb, you were my chosen instrument. And yes, I have appointed you. And I have a calling for you. So what I'd like to talk to you today about is the potter, the creator, the master potter. You know, when I was a potter, the thing that so fascinated me was the intimacy that I had with the clay. When my hands touched the clay, every single particle my hands touched, I knew the clay inside and out. If there was the smallest particle that that didn't fit, my hands knew it and I would take out that, that foreign particle because I knew that if I didn't take out the foreign pieces of glass that it would explode in the firing ahead. The Lord is the master potter. He knows us intimately and he knows where to find us. When we used to go out and we'd look for clay, where do you find clay? You say, well, God, where do we find the unsaved? God, where do we find the hurting people? God, where do we find the broken ones? Well, we would find the broken clay in fields and riverbeds. And we'd go out there with our gunny sacks and we'd go out there with our shovels and we'd start to dig up old rocks. didn't even look like clay. The Lord, he knows where to find the broken vessels. So in the biblical days, where were all the broken vessels put? They were put in the potter's field. You see, the potter's field was the garbage dump outside of the city walls. It's where all the cracked and broken earthenware vessels were thrown away. It's where the people who were so poor that they could not afford to bury their own, they would bury their loved ones in the potter's field. And when Judas betrayed Jesus for those thirty pieces of silver, that blood money could not be put into the temple. And so the thirty pieces of silver the potter's field. The potter's field really represents the world. It's a garbage dump. It's where lives are broken and thrown away. You see, once you're not useful to the world, once you're so desperate and so hurting, they throw you away. And that's when you cry out and you finally say, Jesus, if you're real. Jesus, if you really are Messiah, if you really are a Savior, I need help. I need to be saved. And that's when the Lord Jesus, the master potter, begins to walk across the potter's field. He sees your broken life, your broken clay vessel, and He picks you up and He carries you back to the potter's house. And so how many of your loved ones are out on the garbage dump? How many of them are in deep pain and their lives are broken and torn apart? That's where the Lord will find them.
1: He'll hear their
0: cries. He'll find them in the midst of the debris. And he'll pick up every piece of their life. And he'll bring them back to his house. And he'll begin a deep work of healing and restoration in the house of the Lord. And then we would take this old rocky clay and we would bring it into the potter's house. We would take large stones and we'd start to pound the clay and we'd pound it over and over again until it was like fine dust in our hands. We'd take large screens and we'd begin to sift it. And as we'd sift it, all the foreign particles of twigs and glass would start to come off to the surface. And then we would take this dust, this clay dust, and we would put it in large bins and we'd let it soak with water. Have you felt the Lord saying, I know where your brokenness is. I know where you're hurting. In fact, I even know where your unsaved family and friends are. Even though other people can't recognize them, I recognize their clay. In fact, I even know what color they are. I know how high a temperature. I know whether they're stoneware, whether they're going to be porcelain, fine china. I know whether they're going to be a bowl that's going to wash the feet of servants like my son Jesus. And I know whether they're going to be the beautiful alabaster box or a perfumed vessel that will be on the king's table. Even though you don't recognize the calling and gifting of people around you, he says, I, your God, I recognize the gifting. I see the callings and the gifts within each vessel Now, as a potter, not only in knowing the greatness and the destiny of each earthenware vessel, not only in knowing where I'm going to take each vessel, I want to take you on a journey for a moment. I want you to think of yourself up in the heavens. I want you to see large rooms with, with, where you can't even see the walls. And yet somehow you know that you're in a map room. And if for the twinkling of an eye, I want you to see kingdoms rising and falling. I want you to see kings and prophets coming and going. I want you to see the birthing of different earthenware vessels and the timetable that I have for different people coming to earth. I feel one of the biggest spiritual warfare weapons that has come against the body of Jesus Christ is that, that we're told that we have no purpose. It's like, why are we alive anyhow? What could God possibly do with our lives? And we see so many millions of people and so many gifted people. But that brings me back to Hannah, and I want to share about her. In the first chapter of Samuel, as you know, Hannah was a second wife, and she couldn't have children. And every year she would go up to Jerusalem, and she would want to have a child. Now the first wife would have a child but she did not and so it talks in the verses about how she wept and another year would go by and it talked about how she wept sore and it talked about how finally five years went by and she kept weeping and weeping and even though she was the favorite of her husband, she could not be comforted she loved her husband so much that she wanted to give him a man-child finally she found herself in the temple And she couldn't even talk. She was just travailing and weeping before the Lord. And Eli came in and said, Woman, are you drunk? And she says, I'm only weeping before my God. And he says, Today, your prayers have been answered. Now, not only did Hannah have a child, a man-child, which took away her shame, but she had the prophet Samuel. And he was the first prophet who was born in 400 years. Now why was there all the waiting? Why wasn't Hannah's prayers answered right away? I mean she cried out and she says, Oh God, give me a child. And yet God withheld her womb. God withheld this child. Because Samuel was needed to be the prophet for King Saul and King David. You see, God knew exactly when the prophet was needed for the nation of Israel. It wasn't according to Hannah, it was according to the the destiny that God had for a whole nation. And so when you cry out and you say, but God, God, do you hear my cries? Do you hear my prayers? God hears. But there's an exact timetable for things to be birthed and released in our lives.